What a perfect third round day that was for Albion. Youngsters making debuts, the big money signing, making a goal-scoring return. And we'll talk about Aldershot January, the takeover, the young talents and much, much more on this week's Baggies broadcast. Hello Albion fans and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast here at the Express and Star with myself, Johnny Dreary. And as always, alongside the ENS's Baggies correspondent, Lewis Cox, who, contrary to his claims on last week's podcast, refrained from bringing his warm heated blanket to the Hawthorns for the, the bitter day on Sunday. Although I am informed he's uh, he's got it on at the moment as we're uh, we're recording this podcast, but the goals were enough to, to warm him up at the Hawthorns on Sunday. Coxie. I know you've been a little bit under the weather, mate, but how are you, mate? You well? Hello, mate. Yeah, good to see you and uh, and join you for another chinwag. I'm well, well, I'm not very well, to be honest. No, I'm still recovering from Swansea fever, to be honest. In a, in a rough fever. way, living on the old tablets and medicine at the minute. Is that is that a medical we, is that a medical term? Is it Swansea fever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Strikes <laughs> on New Year's Day, tend to find when uh, when you misjudge the layers and the uh, yeah the knitwear. But uh, ploughing on, mate, there's plenty, you know, we're games still going on there in January, the takeovers, you know, continuing to, to mur on. So, so here we are. Um, let's go. I know we've got some stuff to get stuck into. So, yeah. Yeah, we have. Yeah, probably physically better than you anyway. Um, but yeah, we've got plenty, plenty, as we said, to talk about. Hoping to bring you a little bit of an update on the, on the takeovers where, you know, as we all are hoping for, for solid news before long. We're going to talk a bit about, as we said, about the January transfer window. Um, and Albin, of course, hoping to do a little bit of business. And we'll discuss whether they will hopefully be able to do some business before uh, Blackburn. I know that was certainly a hope for Carlos Corbran. We'll answer all your questions. We've got some fantastic questions in again. But we're going to start, of course, with the FA Cup. And that, that really good day for Albin yes, uh, on Sunday even. Sorry. I say yesterday, this is re- recorded on a Monday, it's going out on a Tuesday, so we're confusing ourselves today. So we're not going to talk about who we want in the next round, because by Tuesday morning, when this podcast is published, we'll obviously know who I've been playing. But I know who, who I want. Approximately what, Johnny? Three or four minutes and you've tripped over your own tenses? I have. I've tripped over my own tenses, Cox. Yeah, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. I've already done one podcast yeah. today. Um, but yeah, we'll talk, we're will talk. we going to talk all about the FA Cup, um, but obviously not who we're going to, who we're going to have in the next round. But Four win over Aldershot. Coxie, what was your main takeaway from yesterday? There were so many, you know, so many positives from yesterday. You know, team selection, even senior players, you know, stepping up and doing really well. Nathaniel Chalaber, you know, Pippa, for example. Um, the youngsters making debuts. The youngsters who already made debuts but were impressing again. Caleb Taylor, Tom Fellows, uh, and obviously, you know, the big man, Daryl DK, returning and scoring. You know, what was your, for you, before we go into the little, the, the, the nooks and crannies of it, what was the main takeaway for you from from the third round when? Oh, it was just, a, uh, like you said, Johnny, you couldn't get much closer to a perfect day, could you really? Uh, even had a bit of time to be happy for the Aldershot fans at the end. <laughs> you got their uh, got their consolation. But no, um, it, it was the day for the academy. Don't get me wrong, and we'll go into that, won't we? But I think in the context of the season as a whole and the first team as a whole, it has to be DK, to be honest. We've been... Mulling over his return for a number of weeks, if not months, on this, haven't we? And when would be best? What game would be best? What scenario would be best? The, the sort of fears of him, how he feels on his return and how he'll look. But he couldn't have had a much better 45 minutes, could he, really? Um, so I think I think the, the, the Dow DK return and its influence and you know, hopeful impact on the rest of the season, 
yeah, I mean, I know it was only Aldershot Town, but he couldn't have taken his goal any better, could he? And he, to me, he looked sharp, lean, and he said some good things to me afterwards as well. I had the chance to, to grab a word with him, which is always a pleasure. Um, and yeah, oh, as long as he has no negative effects of that that ruptured Achilles, you know, what an what an addition, what a signing that isn't a new signing that feels like a new signing. He um, he could be really between now and hopefully, dare I say, late May. Yeah, it's, you know, the whole DK, you know, returning again scenario is just, you know, so so complex and so, you know, so ironic that we're talking about this goal that he scored against, against, um, against Aldershot, which is, you know, it's come two years since he arrived at the football club and, you know, you could count his appearances on, you know, a couple of hands, probably three, three sets of hands, you know, all his appearances for Albion, the amount of returns he's had. I I remember him signing, it was, I think it was New Year's Day, um, 2022, when it was all, all confirmed he's come back now. And and you can see from the emotion in his face and the, you know, not just the reception he got at the start of the game, but the reception when he scored, um, you know, it was, it it seemed like it was always the plan for Goldbrand to, to hook him after, after 45 minutes, but to get him out there, you know, he took his goal really well. One one thing I saw a lot of fans on social media commenting on Coxie, you know, we, we know he's this big, powerful unit um, who's picked up a, a number of muscle injuries when he's been at West Brom. A lot of fans come, I didn't really pick up on this so, straight away, but saying he's leaner, um, you know, maybe not carrying as much muscle or as much weight, you know, which could have maybe been attributed to, to previous muscle injuries. Uh, but I still think he looked at, you know, a powerful beast and a powerful unit you know I'm sure I'm sure the older shot center house would will agree in that for this period as well yeah I think I've heard suggestion of that Johnny actually from a, a couple of places he, even prior to the game um I like you didn't necessarily um notice it firsthand obviously saw some comments I'm not sure it'd be definitely one we look to um to pick Carlos Goran's brains about just whether there's been a sort of idea to just shred some um some body muscle, you know, obviously something he's got plenty of. But it's funny, we were all sort of marvelling at the photos afterwards, weren't we, that the club snapper Fraj had, um, had taken of his, you know, some lovely celebration photos of his emotion, wasn't there? And um, it's it's kind of only when you get that close up. And, I, you know, I mentioned I was with him post-match as well. So, But you see the for the, the sheer size of the man, really. Uh, yeah, 23-year-old, by the way. We met, talk about young academy players. DK's still only 23. Um, and you see that you know the size of his size of his leg muscles alone and legs alone. It's it's pretty ridiculous, really. So defenders bounce off him a couple of times, didn't you? But it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world, would would it, if there'd been some sort of idea to to lean him up and um, maybe to get him to you know shred a few pounds or inches in terms of muscle? Um, because usually when a player's out and especially out for a while, it's like well they can't run for a for a bit because they're they're on crutches or whatever they can't do much cardio so they, they tend to get in the gym don't they and beef up doesn't look uh, like he needs it does he when they come back they're, they're sort of uh yeah they're, they're more defined but um yeah clearly dk didn't didn't doesn't need that so so whether they decided to go the other way it'd be interesting now to see see what the head coach thinks i haven't i haven't heard that to this point officially but um yeah interesting that a few people noticed it and he looked sharp to me. He looked busy, um, and that's a positive thing, isn't it? You know, I, I know in our post-match video that you know, hopefully, um, readers and, and listeners will have had the chance to watch after the Aldershot game. I said that DK had said to me when I spoke, interviewed him after the game that he was surprised in a positive way at how 
well he felt out there, which, you know, I think you know, maybe he had low expectations, but I think that's a good sign, isn't it? That he's he's feeling, yeah, you know, for his first run out, he's feeling it. I've no doubts, you know, going into Monday and that he probably felt the effects of it. Maybe a bit bit stiff as he got out of bed the following morning, but um, no, it's a, it's a massive step forward, isn't it? And as, as Carlos Corbran joked to us, there's now no reason for him to be uh, to be held back by the medical staff. So, um, no, don't expect him to start against Blackburn, I would say. But, um, yeah, no reason why we shouldn't be seeing him in the squads from now on and, uh, and a very, very healthy option for, for league games. That was going to be my next point, really. You know, we, we've heard, you know, Corbrand sort of say in jest in his recent press competition, you know, he did say before the, the festive period that he wanted DK to be involved, you know, hopefully towards the back end of the festive period. But it was probably more hope than expectation. And he's been sort of battling with the medical staff who obviously got to look, and Carlos has as well, look out for the best interest of the player. But how do you envisage that, you know, the next few weeks going now, Cox? Is it, is, you know, do you sense any sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, it's not coming to me now, but trying to ease him back in, given his injury record. You Trepidation. Know, a little bit of that, really. Or do you see him, you know, maybe being off the bench, second half off the bench in the next two, three weeks before you really see him, you know, sort of firing from the start? I think I think it'll be a case of, yeah, certainly um, on the bench in matchday squads. It's Blackburn, then Norwich, isn't it, off the top of my head? Um, got a few long old trips coming up, haven't we? Um, yeah, and, and, and then the fourth round, I believe. On, on the, the following weekend, something like the 27th. So I'd expect him from the bench. I, d- I don't see him being in from the off in league games. Um, I think the ideal is to continue bringing him on in games and maybe build that up, whether he comes on for 15 or 20 and then 30 maybe. But I think the games will dictate it. Uh, if everyone's very happy and I'll be and have a 2-0 lead against Blackburn or even better, then does he need to come on as much as if it's 0-0? Probably not, but I think you know, Carlos Corbin would probably still want to do it to, you know, to move him forward to to build the sort of fitness and match sharpness up. Uh, but obviously, the need wouldn't wouldn't be as as grand as if Albin was searching for a winner or an equaliser or whatever. So, um, I think Albin can probably afford to be a bit selective with him. But now they've got to this position because it's had to be a, a patient old wait, hasn't it? You know, you, you mentioned sort of <laughs> Corbin had been joking. I think probably half joking, but there's de- he's definitely been trying to trying to get him out there as soon as possible but I think everyone had DK's best interests at, at heart really like we know it's been it's been it's been awful for him hasn't it and how he's stayed so positive mentally is amazing really I, I said to him after the game DK said we sort of marvel at his mentality really and so that that's so he, he's been unavailable for injury in two years at Albion more than he's been available you know for these free setbacks probably total well over a year don't they the, the three serious injuries so that's, that's something quite amazing really um and that you know that's why extra care has been taken but I think Albin can be selective um I think they want to get him involved in all matches from the bench for certainly a couple of games I would say we'll have to see in what context you know whether Albin are behind in a game or, or level what context at what time of the game you get him on I said to someone else and I think it's just worth quickly mentioning think it's a massive boost for Brandon Thomas Asante as well. How often yeah. have we said about, um, you know, all the burden having to be on him in terms of being up front, in terms of the goals. Um, so not not him being the only guy anymore. Yeah, briefly, Josh Madger was around, but to have DK to share that load as someone who is instinctively in the box is a goal scorer, maybe a different type of striker to Thomas Asante, certainly. Um, I think it will be a massive boost for, for Thomas Asante, you know, being able to, 
rest him eventually, put him on the bench as an impact player because he has wonderful traits, doesn't he, Thomas Asante? Certainly against tiring defenders where he'll be a massive influence and impact coming on later in games and just having that bit more of a rest where, you know, rather than being flogged game in, game out. So, yeah, a boost not just sort of for DK, but across the front line, really. And, um, yeah, we haven't had many attacking availability boosts this season, have we? So it's um, been a long time coming. It certainly has indeed. You know, we were delighted for him on Sunday. We, we do wish him all the best and hopefully he can can stay fit, get on a run and do uh, exactly what we saw him do at, at times last season. But the, that was the the sort of the headline that was almost stolen by by the kids. Albin's young pups, five of them making debuts um, yesterday. One from the start, who we'll start with in Fenton Hood. Um, started for Albin in, a, in an attacking sort of midfield role, played a hand, I think it took him, when was the first goal? Seven minutes in, took him yeah. all, of, all of seven minutes to uh, to play a big hand in the in the opener for Nathaniel Chalaber, uh, playing in Fellows for the cross. And I thought he was, you know, but for Fellows' performance yesterday, Albin's probably best, he was the best player on the field, I thought. Um, certainly in an attacking sense, he was driving Albin forward. And, you know, this is a 19-year-old kid who's never played a senior game of football. Um I thought he was terrific, absolutely fantastic. And I know you can maybe sometimes be forgiven for getting a little bit overexcited when when youngsters like this put in performances, you know, in the FA Cup against, you know, as we said, non-league opposition. But in a senior game, I thought he looked fantastic. Always wanted to get on the ball, brave. You know, he just he just demanded the ball, as did, you know, as did some of the subs who came on, which we'll we'll briefly talk about. But you can see why Carlos Corbran spoke in such glowing terms after the game about him and why he's caught the eye. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I think he. I, I agree with everything you said, uh, really, Johnny. I think he took his chance, grasped his chance, didn't it? it? It was probably a surprising call to see him in the starting lineup. I, I mean, I'd, <coughs> excuse me, I'd sort of got wind that he was around it. He was in the goals for the 21s before Christmas, travelled down to Swansea, didn't he? And, and nearly got on the bench, actually. But for... John Swift kind of being available and then not being available once he was available down there in South Wales. But, but Heard did travel. Um, yeah, exciting prospect. I've, I've sort of had my eye on him for a year or so, watching the 21s pretty regularly. Um, generally plays in the hole, as you say, Johnny, in that sort of 10 role and, and floats. You see him pop up in wide positions as he kind of started the other day on the right of the front three, wasn't it? But given such a, a free role, Really slight lad, isn't he? Really, really, obviously he's young, he's 19, but he, he sort of looks it, you know, he's not that filled out big frame, is he? Quite, quite small, you would say, and slight, but it, it suits that kind of player in a way, does it? It's it, it's not to his detriment, brave on the ball. The, the biggest takeaway for me, actually, was what Corbin said in that these young players that have the tactical understanding, that don't need it drilled into them, that have the game understanding, when to drop, when to take it on the half turn, when to drive, when to pick the pass, what kind of pass to play. That's how you know they're a bit special, they're a bit of a player. Um, and that's, that's what Carlos Corbin said about fence and herd. So I don't think you can get much better praise than that, actually, from a, a judge of a footballer like Carlos Corbin. So, yeah, fair play. Looks like great bars produced one. 19-year-old. Um, yeah, rock, you know, I'm sure the Academy of you know, had an eye on him and, and known good things about him for for many a year. He's been at the club since age seven, I think, hasn't he? So that's a remarkable story. I think I've read that he went to um, Q3 Academy, which uh, certainly those in the region will, will be aware of. Um, not too far from, from my old neck of the woods. And yeah, I, I just 
chuff for for everyone involved really i mean imagine how his, his family would have felt it's a great success story and an achievement for the club's academy as a whole I, I saw a load of the academy staff at half time what, what was it 11 of the 20 matchday squad products or you know graduates of the academy fantastic but i agree with you about her johnny and you know that the 21 start up again you know, we're speaking on a monday here aren't we and the 21 start up again a match wise in in a week's time so i'm really interested to go and you know go get down there regularly and see see him play, see the others we saw play regularly. And look, Carlos Corbin's in the market, isn't he? In the January market for, for two attackers, you know, with two wingers, a winger and a 10, a winger and a striker, a couple of flexible attackers. So yeah, you know, Fenton Hurd may not feature in many, if any, league squads beyond January or, or the like, but he showed he's ready, hasn't he? I think. So, you know, if, if maybe not for a start, if maybe not to the level of where Tom Fellows is, because how good is Tom Fellows looking? Um, but Heard probably right there, ready to be, you know, if injuries and availability call on it, you know, on the bench, if if required, you would say. I mean, there was a really good cameo. Yes, taking the opposition into consideration, but glowing reference from Corbran is um, said everything for me. And, and, you know, we all saw it with our own eyes, didn't we? A clever footballer, clever passing involved in the first goal. Yeah, wonderful to see. Yeah, wonderful to see indeed. He was one of five debutants um, yesterday. He didn't want to start, but off the bench, we saw Akeel Higgins, Joshua, uh, Harry Whitwell and Leighton Love. Um, and shout out to Leighton Love. Felt really sorry for that uh, that horrendous miss in the second half, but uh, he, he also showed glimpses, as did all the youngsters as well. And just on that, Coxie, just a, a little bit of a point I want to want to make really we've as we said we've seen tom fellows come to the fore this season um, and i will talk about him caleb taylor's in and around the squad um a lot of youngsters have gone out on loan you know highly rated youngsters jovan malcolm as well we, we haven't mentioned him scored yesterday this is a completely you know i don't know if this is it is it's completely true or not but does has the club situation which we hope you know off the field financially not able to sign many players in, in you know in recent windows you know i can't remember that apart, apart from Tom Sante, the last time i've been really paid a fee for a player has has that cumulative um build-up of albion not being able to bring in players lent itself to some of these youngsters maybe getting in the eye a little bit more and that's not taken yeah. away for anything from their quality but for example if albion had a you know albion in the summer, Corbrand would have wanted to sign more than Josh Madrid and Jeremy Sarmiento. He probably would have, he probably would have, would have wanted to sign another striker, probably another winger, you know, another attacking midfielder. Um, if you know he had the the riches or the you know the firepower of, of the, the teams at the top of the division, like Albion have generally had in the Championship. Yeah. If that was the case, I don't really think Tom Fellows would have got as much of a chance, maybe, as he yeah. as he has done. So it has the off-field situation, you know, that remains to be seen. But has it so far? given more opportunities to youngsters. You know, Fellows is a standout one, but, you know, Fenton Hurd getting the chance yesterday and grasping it with both hands. You know, if Albion did have a, a bigger senior squad or, or fit and have signed, will have signed players in previous windows, would he have got a chance? You know, it, it's hard to give it a de- de- definitive answer to, but I think you know where I'm coming from. No, yeah, I, I think you're right, really. I, I don't think there's probably any doubt about it, certainly with the Fellows example, Johnny. I mean, we've said all season, haven't we? Um, for the championship, Albion still have a good squad. Yeah, a very good squad, really. However, it's not the biggest, is it, by any stretch? I think, what now? You were saying, when did Albion last spend a fee? Well, I think the man we've been talking about, DK, would be the last serious one, wouldn't it? Obviously, seven million fee there. I know, sort of nominal fee on Thomas Sante since and Malumbi too. 
Um, but you know, the, the sort of fees Albion would be more used to over over recent years, it would be DK, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah, I think it's un- undoubtedly open doors actually, and. and yeah, I say not a deep squad. The head coach and the likes of Ian Pearce and the, the recruitment, you know, the scouts and the coaching staff over the summer will have looked at it. And I know they have because, you know, we've heard this in press conferences when looking at the young players. Obviously, Tom Fellows had a good loan shot in pre-season. Caleb Taylor had a good loan, you know, caught the eye in pre-season. Corbin had to make a decision on, look, we've got X amount of outfield senior players here. We need one, two, three, you know, two probably outfield kids who are going to have to stay and be top-ups, really. Unfortunately, when players are available, they're going to miss out on the 20. But they'll probably be needed. And look, we know all the all the injuries really have come in attack, haven't they? And it's, it's really opened the door for Tom Fellows. It really has. He looked bright to me in pre-season. And we, we probably had to wait until Blues away. Blues away feels like that night for me where he came to the fore. Um, I think he might, might have had one or two cameos before that. Probably played at Stoke in the Carabao in the August, didn't he? Um, but yeah, that, that Blues game, I remember. Yeah, obviously, we had the blow of Swift early doors, and I remember taking note. And pretty much ever since then, that, that was early October. Ever since then, he's had had a go. And I think you're probably onto something there, Johnny. Regards, you know, the the state of the finances, the the way the last what how many, if you're including this one, one, two, three, four. Five transfer windows have been in terms of shaping this squad um, and leaving the head coach limited on options and, and certainly the availability this season, the way the injuries and suspensions now have gone and loan recalls have dropped. It's it's opened a door and you know, had maybe Joe Malcolm not gone out on loan at the start, obviously since been recalled, Mo Fowl not gone out, they, they probably would have benefited, wouldn't they? Um, Unfortunately, it was their turn. And look look at the other end of the scale. Caleb Taylor's had to wait and wait and wait. And he's been unlucky in a sense. There's been very few setbacks you know, physically after in defence. And he's been on the bench a few times. But he's had to wait. And I, I thought he was, he was really good, actually, against all the shot Caleb. thought he was dominant. Um, it was a perfect foil with Bartley, actually. I thought, I thought it was a real good step forward for Caleb Taylor. So encouraging as well. And yeah, something in that. I mean... Corbin said pretty much since he's come in, you know, he's he's sort of marvelled at Albion's academy. You know, obviously that goes back historically, doesn't it? And I suppose in more recent years, sort of not a not the joke, but I say the butt of jokes in terms of you know Villa nicking all the starlets and stuff like that. And we you know we've seen how many talents been been bought and and gone down the road, and some have sort of progressed on a bit, and some have fallen by the wayside, haven't they? But um, I suppose you have to say, when you look at fellows, when you look at Caleb Taylor, Josh Griffiths, you know, Alex Palmer's a lot older, I appreciate that, and there are, there are younger ones we saw against Aldershot. The, the talent's sort of still coming through the conveyor belt, isn't it? Which I think is 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 an encouragement. You know, it's not it's not drying up. Um, excuse me, the staff still have a lot to be confident about. And yeah, it's, 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 Carlos has said so many times, it's massive for the football club that this academy is producing players that, can eventually get a go and you know the, these young players are also massive in training for Albion you know when when they have training sessions that are like used to top up players who haven't played full games you, you draft six seven or eight of them in to regularly train against those players that have maybe been on the bench come on from the bench so Corbin and his squad see these guys that we saw on Sunday they see them in, in training so often you know uh, weekly basis how many times a week so he um 
not all managers and head coaches have a massive grasp on academies and 21s at their clubs because they can't afford to, they don't have time to get involved or interested. But for a number of reasons, like the financial situation, the ownership situation, and yeah, basically that and injuries this season, Corbin's had to really focus on it. And it's it's brought a number of kids on, I would say. Yeah, certainly opportunities as well. I've got Tom Fellas' name written down now, but I'm going to save it to the questions because we've had some really good questions in about those. So I just want to talk about a couple of senior players that had a nod yesterday. We haven't seen an awful lot of from the start of the season. Nathaniel Chalaber being one, Pepper being another. It was just Pepper's second start since arriving at Albion. Um, thought he did well. Thought Chalba did really well as well. One of the standouts and obviously scored that fantastic goal. Um, have they done enough to sort of put a question in in Colbrand's in Colbrand's mind? Cox, he played left wing back. I know a lot of people have been calling for him to get more starts. You know, Chalaba's probably a victim, or not a victim, well, yeah, a victim to the, the form of both Yakushlu and, and, and Moa, Moa, another one who played really well yesterday. Um, but did the chances any harm, personally, in my opinion? I don't know what you thought. No, Johnny, I thought, um, yeah, I've, I've done a bit in, in the debrief that um, hopefully people have been able to have a look at. I thought Port Chalibur was excellent. I thought he was a mature leader in the centre of the park. How good was Carl Bartley, really? I mean, in, in terms of the, the ones you mentioned, you know, sort of Bartley, Mowat, Chalibur, Pippa, Peters, it, it looked like men against boys, didn't it, to, to be honest? They, they, they all did a great role, most of them spying of the team of leading. That, that young Albion team and you know that, that's why all the shots were overwhelmed in half an hour and the tie was done by the 27th minute you know and, and DK leading the line obviously um, yeah they were, they were really mature about it. it it might not have gone that way you know senior person come in and sort of for want of a better way, phrase throw it off I was going to say something a bit a bit worse there but you know not not be interested um, and sort of be half paced not fully at it but I thought from the very first minutes when Aldershot tried to build up a head of steam, attack that massive away end, that loud away end, and get going. There was countless times, wasn't there, where Bartley just shut the door, Chalaba just got in the way, Moat just used the ball efficiently. Like, yeah, we wouldn't, didn't want Bartley playing, didn't want Moat playing. Don't think Carlos Corbran did, but they, they had to. Um, not a risk, really, but what I don't, I don't see any other option, really. I mean, some more kids could have got thrown in and it wouldn't have gone the way it would have gone. And yes, one of those could have picked up a knock, but it was managed well, wasn't it? Look, Moat was replaced on the hour. Bartley was replaced on the hour by Kipper. Um, I think the squad was used perfectly, to be honest. I, I thought Pippa was good. I'd like, to, I'd like to see more of him, to be honest. He, look, he looks bright, doesn't he? He looks talented, technical, quick. Um, how How close is he to pushing... Furlong at right back or Townsend at left back, I'm not sure. But he probably deserves a start at some point. You'd think it would come, wouldn't you? You'd think in terms of availability and injuries to others, you'd think yeah, surely at some point something's going to open up for Pippa. And, oh, I think Chalibur's been good for a while, hasn't he? Probably you know, November, October. Every, every time he comes in, he's you know, not every time, but more often than not, seems... Yeah, so have the right mindset about him. He, to me, he seems like a player. When he's when he's on, he's good, you know. And uh, you see that more often than not with that now. And he, yeah, you know, some might question whether how up for it Chalaba might be. And you know, he's playing with a bunch of academy graduates there, and he, he was a leader, wasn't he? And he was leading them, up, you know, all, all day really, and a massive part of that win. So I think that obviously got his first goal for the club. So well taken. Nice to see him celebrating with the old uh, ball under the shirt. 
throwback one. Um, but no, he, he was quality and I was really pleased for him because he, he's going to be needed, isn't he? You know, Malumbi's got a little foot problem in the middle of that park. Obviously, Yukushli uh, was given a breather on the bench. But yeah, some real steps forward for those players in terms of action. You never know when their minutes are going to require in the league and they'll be all the better for that. And I thought their attitude was spot on. Corbrand's team selection, really. Yeah, they were spot on. Fantastic day into the hat for the next round. Um, when you're listening to this, you'll know who will be playing. From my point of view, I hope it's Wrexham because it's 20 minutes from my house, selfishly. Um, but we'll see who I'll be get, uh, get in the draw for the next round. Coxie, we're going to talk takeover now. This is something we've talked about for a very, 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 very long time. We get questions every week and we always want to bring the Albion fans a little bit of an update on the situation. Last week, we said talks continue to advance. Albion were hoping to... That a, that a deal was going to hopefully be sealed within this month. Um, what's the latest, Coxie? What can you you tell us on this? Because as the weeks go by, the more questions come in, the more fans get sort of eager to get this over the line and, and, and end the gouch and lie, you know, hell of recent years. What, uh, what what what's the latest as as it stands as we talk at the moment? Yeah, well, um, good. Uh, in terms of the latest, we're, we're a good period. I think we're at a good stage, and I think we're things are heating up. But in terms of what what we said last week, it was sort of quite a comprehensive update. I thought in terms of what the club are hoping for, time frame wise, mentioned sort of middle of this month, and that's you know certainly want it done sooner rather than waiting towards the end of this group. From the you know certainly from the club's point of view, the prospective owners we understand are the um, or the the front runners and the favourites are the, the US group we've been reporting for a while now, whose identity still sort of remains undisclosed. But obviously, I've written about them on, on a number of occasions. And yeah, uh, for everything that I hear and understand is that that's progressing nicely. I'm hopeful that this is, this is you know, advancing well now and we're getting there in terms of final stages. Now, look, I again, far from wanting to nail colours to the mast because as we've said before nothing's sort of done until it's done is it and there's a reason these things are uh, properly ironed out and i's are dotted and t's are crossed and you know the ink's dry on the paper and all of that but um yeah the, the sounds i'm getting from what i understand are that that things have uh, have moved on well and that it's it's now beginning to become really well placed and we're we're you know we're really in a in a good position in terms of that, Johnny. So yeah, I I long for the day where you know I, I'm so looking forward to it actually. Um, you know when if yeah as and when it's it emerges and things go on and you know we hopefully get the likes of a press conference, maybe an unveiling, get to speak to representatives, all of that. It's it's going to be um, a big release, isn't it, from everyone connected and involved with the Hawthorns, Really, it's no more so than the fans, obviously, but. Yeah, I'm still aware that you know, we have to, you know, and I, I have sort of, I, I do have faith in the people involved in it from the club's perspective that it's, that they will be the right people. But, you know, proof will be in the pudding when it gets, you know, in that regard, won't it? But, um, but yeah, as I say, from everything I'm, I'm hearing, things have progressed nicely. Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully it's going to be an exciting January for West Brom fans. You know, the excitement is building. January transfer window latest, Coxie. Now, we know that Corbyn wants to bring in, you know, a winger. He always already wanted to bring one in to replace Matt Phillips. Already wanted, then he wanted to bring in a, a sort of an attacking player to replace Jeremy Sarmiento. He went back to Brighton, who's now gone to Ipswich. Um, again, any rumblings of of names or, or or any movement on 
on that front, Albion fans will see, you know, this transfer room is flying around all over the place. Albion's name continually linked or always linked with with, with players who are going out on loan, et cetera, et cetera, um, from bigger clubs. But is there any movement on, on that front? I've I, I, I had um, insight into one. I mean, Albion are, Albion are active in terms of loan inquiries of, of wide players, as I've said. Um, I gather that one will be a, a winger, sort of out and out. That's the position type thing. And the other attacker that Carlos wants to bring in, maybe someone who's capable of playing a few roles, you know, be it he can play wide and in the middle, like a 10 or, you know, a, a 10 and a striker. Maybe someone who's a bit more sort of versatile, just to cover a few more bases, a few more possibilities of, of injuries. I'm, I'm aware of, um, I mean, there, there will be several, don't get me wrong, but I'm aware of inquiry into availability of one individual who was, I mean, in terms of football, I follow something sort of off my radar, an individual individual I wasn't aware of, and sounds like a talent. So they're certainly active, but it's all well and good, Carlos Corbran wanting one thing and wanting things as soon as possible, isn't it? But we're all long in the tooth and have done enough of these to know that it doesn't work like that, does it, unfortunately? And um, I hope, beyond hope's sake, that... um, that we're not sat having similar conversations on the day of Wednesday, the 31st of January, Johnny. And uh, I, can, I, can, I can categorically confirm that we probably will be, given the fact well, that it's yeah, happened on. In Corbrand's <laughs> ideal world, I mean, I've of got course, two yeah. in. You want four deal, deals done early. Um, but let's be honest, if they can move quickly and get one over the line ASAP, um, whether that's in time for Blackburn, whether that's in time for Norwich, I think it's a it's a boost. It's a lift. You don't, they, they do not want to be pushing that into the into the final days of the window. They, they really don't. But look, it's it's hard, isn't it? The players, there'll be many clubs in for the same profile. A winger, forward, versatile, attacking player. It's, it's tough. Look at, I don't know if you've, you've seen, obviously we're speaking on the Monday, as I said, and Huller about to loan. Um, Fabio Carvalho from Liverpool, aren't they? You know, this is this is Hull, who are, I believe, still below below Albion in the table. You know, a very real competitor in terms of Albion this season, where they are, where they want to get to. You know, realistically, yes, Albion could still finish above fifth, but right there with Albion battling for that fifth, sixth, and they're going for, you know, what I would say to be the most high profile in terms of talent, in terms of parent club attackers sort of there on that loan market available. And Liverpool recalled him from Germany, didn't they? Um, and they want sort of a promise of game time. And I had a lot of Albion fans saying to me, you know, what about Fabio Carvalho? And yes, that's you know, a big ambitious ideal dream, but you've got to make the finances work, haven't you? Carlos Corbran wants two loan players if possible. And, you know, you, you're talking there about possibility of blowing blowing the lot on one, aren't you really? And uh, But look at Hull. Huller, you know, there's no shrinking violets in any market, are there? They're heavily backed by an ambitious Turkish owner, isn't it? And that's a that's another move there of them doing that. It kind of opens your eyes a bit into what these clubs around Albion who are, you know, throwing the dice a bit, aren't they, for want of a better phrase? So, yeah, maybe Albion have got to work a bit smarter, a bit more under the radar. Uh, but like I say, I, I'm aware they're active. And... Yeah, I'd like to bring solid concrete names, and as soon as I can, we'll obviously report them. But um, yeah, ideally, an addition, at least one sooner rather than later. And I think that's what 
that's what everyone's aiming for. That's what Corbyn's aiming for. And that they're the kind of profiles they're looking at. But Corbyn, as I've also said, as, as um, Baggies fans can read on the Express and Star today, that he won't be dictated by the profile of, a, of an individual. You know, it won't be a player that has to be in his peak years, 27, 28, with that experience. It won't be dictated by it has to be a young player on a first loan from a top Premier League club. It, it will very much be down to... You know, the talent and what they've got behind them type thing. He's not drawn on doing an Albrighton, Omar Brighton type for definite as it was last year. Won't be drawn on doing a Sarmiento type first loan thing. I think you've got to strike a balance, haven't you? And because Albion are looking for two similar positions, it'll be interesting to see what kind of blend they end up with, really. And how it's a real chance, isn't it? It's the fact that Albion can go and get reinforcements for this running, this final five months. You can just get one that can come in and have a big impact, or at least a, a real impact in the regular eleven. It could make the difference, couldn't it? When we talk about DK making a difference, and you know Tom Fellows is on the scene now, and he's a superb option. But um, you know, a loan that comes in and can bag a handful of goals and get a handful of assists, especially with Grady away, as we know, and yeah, it could 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 be the difference maker. Yeah, it could indeed. Hopefully we'll have more news on that next time. Just a couple of news points. The uh, the clash with Plymouth, the away trip to Plymouth on the 27th of January now is uh, is going to be moved. We haven't got any, there's no new date for that. Albion put out a, a bit of a statement earlier earlier today. That is nailed on to be a midweek lovely trip to Plymouth. And speaking of lovely rearranged change trips, Sky TV and their wisdom have, uh, have really got one in for Albion fans at the moment. A number of changes again next week. With, uh, with TV times, you've already seen earlier in the campaign, I think it was Sunderland was moved to a 12.30. Albion have been hit with, with a number of changes. A couple of home games have moved. One to a Friday night, Southampton, Cardiff. It's not really much of a change Tuesday to a, or a Wednesday to a Tuesday, but trips to Ipswich and Hull on Saturdays have now been moved to 12.30. Um, and not really a question, Coxie, but more of a statement. It's a it's a bit of a disgrace, I think, from Sky. But I know, you, you know, it's a double-edged sword because... I know Albion will probably get a bigger slice of the uh, the broadcasting pie, uh, you know, and they're a big club doing really well. But, you know, it seems like Albion fans are being unfairly hit at the moment. But I'm just going to look at a fixture beyond any of those changes, which could be interesting for Albion now. Birmingham City come to the Hawthorns on the 3rd of mm. February and there'll be a familiar face in the opposition dugout, Tony Mowbray or Sir Tony, as I like to describe it on this podcast. Uh, back in the West Midlands, back in the managerial hot seat, taking over from Wayne Rooney at St Andrews. So that promises to be a, a really, a really good affair. Um, I think it's on the third of February, start of uh, start of February. So yeah. Tony Mowbray making a, another return to the Hawthorns. I'm sure we'll get a fantastic reception. Coxie, let's talk. Uh, let's talk heaters. Let's talk kettle and toaster man. Let's talk. Uh, sponsor the Catlin Toaster Man. As always, sponsors the Baggies Broadcast and all our podcasts here at the Express and Star. And Cox, I know Cox loves having these conversations because anything that keeps him warm he is a massive, massive fan. We're already talking about it, talked about his electric blanket um, earlier in the uh, in the podcast. Um, the Catlin Toaster Man has got some fantastic offers on some fantastic prices. Great, uh, great products, great prices. Uh, and here's one for you, Cox. This is one you might have to you might have to strong arm Mrs. Cox into uh, into installing because he's got a fantastic oh. sale on. Uh, you can get your hands on a Beldre smart controlled Wi-Fi ceramic radiator. Was £175. Now down to £125. A real January 
offer there from the kettle and toaster man he's got some fantastic products here to keep you keep you warm at the moment because as we said the weather is uh is pretty chilly how's that uh how's that electric blanket going for you cox so you're a big fan of that going very well mate currently um well, i've been under it all day but i'm currently on top of it now to, to avoid any <laughs> uh any mickey taking from you mainly uh, <laughs> so yeah my backside's nice and warm at the minute but, uh no, it's good. It's good, mate. It's good. Yeah, I mean, could do with it. it. It will be seen at the Hawthorns before long. Can't lie. Yeah, good stuff. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we do see it down there. But as we said, the Kettle and Toaster Man's got some some brilliant products, brilliant prices to keep you warm in this uh, in this cold snap during the winter. You can go down to uh, to the store, Thorns Road in Briley Hill. They've got some fantastic products down there. The warehouse is absolutely massive. Um, and they've got some really good products you can get your hands on. If you want to go online, do it all from the comfort of your own sofa, you can head along to thekettletoasterman.co.uk. Right, let's talk questions. Questions are plenty in from the Baggies fans. Some of them have already been answered. We talked takeover, we've talked uh, new signers, new players. Uh, one fan, Daniel Tudge, has asked, is it time for the Hawthorns? The Hawthorns was given a clean. The Brummy Road needs a good jet wash. Um Sure, that's one you can bring up with a hierarchy at the Hawthorns, uh, Coxie. I'm sure I'll be up there alongside uh, alongside takeaway questions. Not something I'd, uh, I'd I'd be made aware of, but it might be something for uh, for those at the Hawthorns to uh, to have a look at. But just on the field, no, it was in, it was um, interesting to hear that, wasn't it? Um, yeah, the, the que- yeah. That. I mean, we we don't sort of venture down that end, do we? Especially, we I was I was always an East Stand man when I uh, when I was. Uh, was going to watch as a as a supporter. Obviously, still watch as a supporter, but in a different capacity. Um, I, w- I yeah. wouldn't want to dismiss. I mean, I wouldn't want to dismiss what's said there. It's, it's no, absolutely. Fair. Maybe something that can be ra- you know can be raised with the club or or brought up with a club. Um, certainly, maybe. Look, I think. Well, I think when I think assembly. As, as and when the takeover goes through, Johnny. Um, you know, sort of infrastructure generally, but you know, points like that, yeah, more general things. Um, more sort of basic logistical things. We'll, you know, we'll all, all be looked at, really. I think, I mean, everything costs, doesn't it? You know, clean-up costs. Um, it's a, the, the most popular one of this, I can think of, is Old Trafford, isn't it, under the Glazers? Kind of the, the general point that Old Trafford's sort of crumbling under their ownership and lack of investment to fix leaks in roofs and and all of that to give Old Trafford a lick of paint. So, look, if... if some baggy supporters are saying that the Hawthorns needs it, then perhaps there are parts of it that does. And, um, you know, it will be interesting to see how and how quickly and as and when you know, prospective new owners look into that kind of thing, really, and how they address their their in-trade, as it were, things that, you know, priorities on, the, on their radar when, when taking over. I think the general priority will clearly be the club's um, accounts own it and and stabilizing the club but uh yeah ev- everything's of an importance certainly you'd like to think the, the comfort of the uh, of the paying supporter yeah absolutely cheers for your question dan and, uh, hopefully i know there's, a, there's probably a few people from the Albion assembly who do listen to the, the podcast so hopefully yeah. it's uh something that can be raised tonky towers has got in touch with a question great seeing two forwards up front and a confident tom fellows providing great service in from wide Appreciate appreciate the opposition, but it must give Carlos Corbrand food for thought. It's a great question on two fronts. The Tom Fellows situation. We've got another good question on Tom Fellows further up, so we'll address that there. But the two forwards, Coxie, we saw two two forwards playing yesterday. We we sort of waded up as a three four three almost at times, but it did look like yeah. there could be two. You know, there was two forward out like forwards on the field in, in Joe Malcolm and 
and Daryl DK. And obviously, like uh, like the um, Tonky mentions there, it's taken into account the opposition. But you know, potentially food for thought. My I made an observation, didn't I, yesterday to to you? You know, how many t- if Tom Fellows gets a run in the team, and if Daryl DK, which we pretty sure he will when he's fully fit, gets a run in the team, how many times a season could we potentially see Fellows assist? DK goal or in, or, yeah. or more specifically DK header because DK for me is a striker who could potentially thrive off some of the service that Tom Fellows puts in oh, and Jen Wallace as well yeah well you took the words out of my mouth there Johnny really I, I don't disagree at all but you know Wallace isn't a bad deliverer of the ball himself is it is he so uh, so DK should be should really be relishing that really shouldn't he um, I think I think I you know I saw it as a as a three four three in terms of I, I saw it as as Malcolm on the left, but so not quite two strikers playing together per se. Although that is Malcolm's sort of favoured position, but I think what I would say is I think there's possibly a a world here where um, you look at a Brandon Thomas Asante, and we've thought and thought, haven't we, that you know we've sort of heard that you know his, his role at Salford was sort of from the left every now and then. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if ever we see him, you know, in a in a Carlos Corbran side operating from the left with maybe DK or Madger when he's eventually back central. Um, I think that'll be really interesting. Yeah, Thomas Sante had some rave reviews operating from that flank. So let's see if he sort of ever becomes a viable option for Albin out there. Don't get me wrong, I like two strikers together and I, I wouldn't be against seeing it. I'm just not sure we've seen it under Carlos. I don't think we will. Really, I, I don't know. It'd take a drastic change, wouldn't it, for him to to decide that away from kind of what Albin have, have been doing. I know it sometimes involves some false nines and Wallace taking it or Swift on the odd occasion. But I think I, I w- I'd be open to seeing Tom Santa out there and seeing, you know, you have kind of make, maybe like a more natural winger one side, Wallace with fellows and someone on the other side, like we saw Malcolm the other day, being that sort of false forward out wide type thing, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think, I, I'm just interested that we haven't seen Thomas Asante do the role yet. Um, and I wonder why that is. I mean, obviously, he's been needed centrally. But, uh, you know, d- does he not sort of feel comfortable or capable of doing it anymore? I, I don't know. I mean, to me, he's got traits that he could do it. And I'd like yeah. to see that. And I wonder I wonder if we will as as time goes by. Obviously, the regular sort of choice in terms of Phillips is injured. Sarmiento no longer around, so maybe it all depends on these loans that come in and yeah. uh, and how they hit the ground running. Because as we've already said, they've got to hit the ground running really this month. Yeah, Jack Burford's got in touch with a, another fellows related question. Does this officially make fellows cemented place in the start eleven, even over Grady or Wallace? Uh, now moving towards Blackburn, obviously Grady Dean Garner's not going to be around because he's at the African Cup of Nations. Jed Wallace, you know, sweating on the fitness of him. You know, it looks likely that Tom Fellows will start against Blackburn, but is that? Is that quite a bold statement there from Jack? I get what he's saying, but does it put him, you know, it potentially does put him above Grady because if Grady comes back from from AFCON and Fellows is flying, you know, he's going to retain his place. But I I don't quite, for me, I don't quite think he, he, he goes ahead of Wallace, but he's certainly second fiddle at the moment. You know, that's and that's all dependent on the January business because that will make play a big part. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Wallace, we hope, is back for Blackburn and knowing Wallace as we do, we are sort of, do everything to make himself fit and ready to go from the off. John Swift's situation is a bit more of an unknown, isn't it? To be honest, we, you know, I suppose we await Carlos Corran's next press conference before Blackburn for how Swift's feeling. 
um, something to get to the bottom of there with his calf. So he's an, sort of an unknown, really. Um, so in terms of those attackers behind the striker, Johnny, who's fit and available, and I, you know, I, I don't suppose Jed Wallace is fit and available at the moment, is he? But Fellows is right there, isn't he? He's, he's right there. Um, if you're to ask me at the moment, I'm just trying to think of the squad and the side off the top of my head. But if you ask me at the moment if I'd be surprised to see Fellows start on Saturday, I don't think I would. I mean, I, I think he has to be right there and in for this is this is assuming no one comes in for Blackburn. Um, I think he'd be right there, and I think he, I think he deserved it, and I think he'd be good value for it. Hasn't yet started. Um, obviously, Swansea on New Year's Day was his first league start under Carlos, wasn't it? Other than uh, you know that one under Val a couple of years ago, so I think you know perhaps he would thrive at the Hawthorns. You know, it, it was tough for him at Sunderland, wasn't it? And that. That time he had a load of minutes at Sunderland, it was tough, and there were some doubts about what he could do from the off, and then he put those to bed properly at Swansea. He, he was superb. So I'd, I'd like to see, you know, obviously backed it up. Uh, men against boys against all the shot, and the irony is that sort of Tom Fellows is a, a young boy, but he, he played like a real seasoned, experienced man, didn't he? And I think, I don't think he would be sort of rabbit in the headlights if he were to start against Blackburn on Saturday. I'd, I'd back him to do well. You know, without looking at Blackburn's situation too much, I know they're not going great guns, are they? So, um, I don't think Corbran has that many options to play with, does he? No. To be honest, if you're thinking about a four-two-three-one, and you're thinking about those four positions, sorry, those three positions behind Thomas Asante or DK, I do not think he has a lot to play with. No, he doesn't. You know, the, the options aren't aren't massive. Baggy Amsterdam's got in touch with a question, um, a question slash statement. He calls it on his tweet. How good was DK's finish? Does he get enough credit for his technical and general ability? Apart from just being in commas big and strong, is he pigeonholed slash typecast? I think it's a fantastic question. And, it's and a great to, an question. Ex- to an extent, probably yes. But I think at times, even last season, we saw his, you know, his attacking prowess. You know, his goal scoring ability. You know, is his technical ability, you know, I always cart back to that night at Sunderland. I thought his goal was exceptional. I don't know. I don't, for me, I don't, this is personally for me. I don't think headers get enough credit for goals, but that header he scored that night at, yeah. at the stadium of light was fantastic. And, but it is a good, it is a really good point. And I think it's probably valid, you know, his technical, his finish yesterday was fantastic. And his technical ability is, you know, Albion paid £7 million. And I know Albion have spent some bad money in recent times, but he costs that amount of money for a reason. You know, he can do it in this division. The only the only real question mark is about his fitness. Yeah, he's he's an instinct striker, isn't he? Penalty box. Uh, he can do other things, don't get me wrong, but for me, it's the, the way he attacks and meets the ball. He He's a number nine that is a number nine in terms of the movement and the runs, but the way he can attack crosses, be it in the air, you mentioned that Sunderland away goal, Johnny, the way he finished, that goal the other day, I mean, he's levered it, hasn't he? He's took the lever off the ball um, and it's flew in the top corner. Superb. There's real meaning to it. And we've seen him score goals like that, haven't we? We've seen him score messy ones, which are great. Those little poacher ones, those ones where he nicks in at the sort of front post. I always remember, what was that New Year's home game last year? Was it Reading 1-0 that he nicked a goal on the hour? I think he scored the uh, winner, yeah. Down, down the Brummie Road. I remember it being really messy, uh, but obviously really important winner um so yeah the way he but in terms of his technical ability I'd, I'd want to see a little bit of a bigger sample size really it's not the main asset to his game is it i know what the um was it baggy amsterdam's getting at there i think it's a, a great point 
and he shouldn't be pigeonholed just as a big, you know, a big sort of monster up front who can only win headers and attack balls. You know, he's clearly got ability, but it's not his main. Yeah, you know, he's not silky, is he? Or he's not a, a dribbler per se. Or you know, his speed isn't his main asset either. So, but he does have a handy mix, and he does put himself about. Even on his return the other day, he put himself about. I thought so. So yeah, I I hope to be honest, I hope that he's fit and available. You know bar you know the odd niggle or the odd rest or whatever between now and may the end of may so we can really get a get a look at him and he can really sort of kick start his, his Hawthorne's career that's just what everyone wants isn't it there was so much outpouring of joy for him in the ground when that goal went in or before almost as the cheer started his name was being chanted wasn't it it was it was quite lovely to hear actually yeah it was it was really lovely to to hear on Sunday, um, and like we said earlier in the podcast, hopefully you can go on a, a bit of a run now. Cheers for your question, Baggy Amsterdam. Which I thought it was a, a very interesting. We've got three more questions to ask. I'm going to go through them. Nate Aldridge, uh, more of an off-field one. Um, with the takeover seemingly close, do we know who's rubber stamping transfers slash contracts at this stage? Will it be Ken or Lai, or do you imagine the new prospective owners are greenlighting which players to come in and go out, and which ones can't be sold? Um, very interesting, Cox. Obviously, no one signed a new contract at the moment in, in recent weeks, and no, no players have come in. You know, obviously, yeah. Albion wanted to bring players in. Do we get any sense of that, or is that something that's not really sort of? I think sort of coy in, in, in that regard, in that department. But as far as I would expect and understand, you know, that the head coach will deal with, you know, certainly the likes of Ian Pierce in his, his role of head of football ops, isn't it, um, after his promotion. And, and the team Ian Pierce has maybe a bit more further afield. You know, that obviously Albion's MD, Mark Miles, is um, is busy in a lot of things at the moment, a very important time for the club. But when things would progress so from, the, from the football side of it, maybe to the, the finance side of it, I'd, I'd imagine he'd become involved. Um, I, I dare say, you know, contract situations and the like maybe even signings but look that'll mostly be you know core grand pierce miles sorted but it's probably not the easiest time while you know we're in the, the takeover is happening um to, to sort things out i'd i'd be fascinated to see you know how how it differs from a, a club where the ownership are all on board and ready but look there's room in the budget for core to operate so that that money in the playing budget was already there to make one loan signing. Now there's money to make two because obviously Sarmiento has gone back. So the pot that was sort of um, given at the start of the campaign is what it is, and Corbyn's got room to manoeuvre. So yeah, be, be within the you know the the, foot, the football board for want of a better phrase. I know that's a bit of a modern phrase, isn't it? But the the football hierarchy at the club, Corbyn being a big one, and, and Ian Pearce in his role. Um, yeah, so. It'd just be it'd be interesting to see if uh, I don't know I'd be surprised if any contract news emerged prior to takeover news, but then perhaps it will. I mean, we had the Tom Fellows news a couple of days ago, didn't we? That Albion are working hard on that, and there are other players. I'm I'm sure that they'll be in talks with representatives and trying to make things happen because a lot of players are out of contract, and some of which certainly Albion will not want to lose. So there's things to work out. There's Finances to get straight. Obviously, Alvin still want to be cutting the, the 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 overall squad wage. There are new rules coming in uh, the season after next to to adhere to in terms of squad 
you know, getting the, the, the wage bill 70% to turnover and Albin's is still the wrong side of 100. So a lot of work to do. The summer comes as an ideal break with a lot of players out of contract, big earners out of contract. So it's going to be, a, well, as well as the ownership position and who's in charge of the very top of the club, a lot of change throughout, you know, between now and certainly the summer. So a lot, a lot of things to juggle and balance when we're thinking about the look and the lay of the land when it comes to the squad. Uh, two more questions. Carl Burkett, do you boys wish for a big draw or a winnable game to keep progressing in the competition? Uh, personally, we would love, per, sorry, personally, I would love to keep progressing under the radar just so we can keep watching these youngsters gain um, some more game time. Um, we won't talk on the first bit because, well, as you know, the, the draw will be out by the time the podcast is out. But it's a really good point from Carl. You know, if Albion keep getting favourable draws against League Two sides or, you know, say, for example, they drew a mate, they did had drawn a Maidstone or someone like that or Eastleigh, yeah. you know, two of the non-league sides still left in the competition. It does give that more opportunity to play for you, these youngsters, and play your senior fringe players, you know, yeah, win, 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 winnable home for me, Johnny. I mean, I'm all for a big day out, don't get me wrong, I really am, and I'm all for going to a ground that I haven't ticked off as one visited, as you well know, but um, winnable home is, is fine by me. My only uh, selfish sort of <laughs> reservation is that I know I'm away as you know for the round of the fifth the dates of the fifth round so I'd be worried about missing something fun <laughs> but you know hopefully if I do miss something fun I'll be in progress maybe um, but like I've, I've said on socials over the last 24 hours actually I've got a little sneaking suspicion that the FA Cup's going to serve us up with something this season in terms of more moments and a run so don't hold me to that you know I'm not a fortune teller albeit <laughs> by the time people listen to this you know, they'll probably know that Albin have been drawn at the Etihad. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, son of Patel. Um, yeah, son has got the final question. Also FA Cup as well. Do you think Carlos will go with uh, youth slash fringe? Plays all the way in our cup run, assuming we get further. Or will he take it? Or will he ever take it seriously? Does he want a firm distraction, do you think, this year? Or prefer not to take any risk because of our playing squad? I think he's bad. I think it all... For me, it's a good question, son. And for me, it all links into that but the you know the praise we give him about the perfect balance for yesterday's cup tie. Um, yeah. And then his words after talking about the history of West Brom and the history of West Brom in the FA Cup. You know, he wants to take it seriously. He's not just like we said, some managers just, you know, throw out any side and if they go out, they're not bothered. But I think it it does bother Corbrand. But at the same time he has got to strike that balance. So I think it's somewhere from what Sonny will say, and I think it's going to be somewhere in between. Yeah, it bothers him and he's absolutely right. I think, you know, and it's it's lovely to hear him buy into the club's traditions and history. But on the flip side, he's not going to play the same 11 he uses. He's had to flog every league game, is he? That's that's not how it works. And certainly at home to you know, conference opposition, that's not how it works. Now, if Albin get drawn at home to championship opposition or Premier League opposition, I dare say Albin will have to go strong, won't they? Now, that doesn't mean a couple of changes. That doesn't mean, you know, maybe Malumbi plays or Pippa plays. I think it's judge the opposition first. Judge how many tweaks you think you can make because in an ideal world, when the cup comes around, you want to make some changes to offer a breather. The league is always the most important thing, I think. Um, certainly in it, certainly in this context of this season, let's say that. Um, so, like, judge the opposition. Judge how much you can tweak it. Judge who needs to... You know, Pippa needed games, Chalaba needs games, and they probably there'll be occasions when others do reach Malumbi, you know, DK or Thomas Asante, that kind of thing. But 
we're at a stage now heading into the fourth round, aren't we, where the sort of opposition lower down the levels will drop out and there won't be, I don't know, yeah, there's still, look, there's still lower ranked teams left around, aren't there, League One, League Two, and but yeah, a few and far between, aren't they? You'd, you'd be sort of fortunate to get those ties, so you think less and less changes come about. Was it Bristol City away in the fourth round last year? And it was a very much a day to forget, wasn't it? I think Corbin went with changes, but sort of senior players, and it was uh, it wasn't good, was it at all? It wasn't. It, it was very much Bristol City's day, and from from memory, Bristol City went went pretty strong. And I I'd like to see Albion take it seriously. I love this competition, and but it, it has to play second fiddle to the league, unfortunately. But I, I do think, as I replied to Sunil, it can be used for momentum, and I do think something could. Could be a foot yeah. in the opposition this season. Hopefully you're uh, hopefully you're right, Coxie. Baggies fans, thank you very much for your questions. Some great uh, some great ones in there. Just literally thirty seconds now on Blackburn. We've uh, we've had plenty of chat today, but Blackburn come to the uh, the Hawthorns on Saturday. Um, Coxie, Albion going to be you know firm favourites. Blackburn have lost four out of the last five in the league. They've gone down to surprising surprising to me. They've gone down to seventeenth in the table, mm. despite boasting the league's top goal scorer. Um, you know, despite players missing and, you know, availability being uh, a question mark, Jed Wallace, John Swift, i.e., you know, DK coming back now, you'd expect Albion to, you know, if Albion turn up, they should be getting three points in this one. You know, what I say at the moment, when anyone asks me about how Albion will do at home, home games, they should win. Or they should, well, the yeah. expectation is to win home games. Yeah, well, that's where Albion are this season, is it? That's the ambition. And if they, if they sort of want to stay in the positions they're in, they need to keep, Keep winning, really, or keep positive results together, and and they are coming more than most at home, aren't they? And and look at the the form table. Your Blackburn, I'm just having a look now. They they won in the league last time out, but I think their league run is winless in five, four defeats. So they're they're really struggling, still under Thomason, aren't they? Um, John Dal Thomason. Yeah. So you're right about Sammy Smodix, obviously an unlikely top scorer in the division, but it beat. It'd be real disappointment if Albin didn't pick up the three points, I think, on Saturday, wouldn't it? Look, caveat as Wallace and Swift question marks. I certainly hope Wallace will be ready. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure Malumbi will. So yeah, it might just be Wallace and maybe fellows will have to have a go. Obviously, DK will be around it, we hope. Uh, and otherwise hope that sort of Albin will have enough. You know, the, the fullbacks got a rest in there against all the shot furlong and Townsend, so hopefully they're sharp. Okai got a rest. So yeah, I'd back out of being on Saturday and I'm, I'm hopeful of a positive result. And it, it's a little trickier the following weekend, isn't it, at Norwich? So you sort of feel like you want to be going there off the back of a real solid and sort of professional, comfortable home win. Yeah, we hope so. Um, we'll think about that long Norwich trip when it comes around. Let's get back then out of the way <laughs> first. Don't want, to, don't want to look that far ahead. But Coxie, as always, thank you very much for your time. Um, positive pond today, really. Um, after last week's uh, after last week's disappointment at Swansea, the FA Cup has brought some smiles back to to our faces anyway, and certainly to the faces of some of the fans. Uh, but as always, Baggies fans, thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the latest episode. Um, look forward to seeing uh, a lot of you at the Hawthorns on Saturdays. Blackburn, as we said, are the visitors. And until next time, and until next week on the Baggies broadcast from me and from Coxie. Boing boing. boing, boing.